Welcome to episode 892 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 892 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Ars. How you going, mate? I am sensational, Bevan. How about yourself? We're not, we're not, we're not in the room together, team. We're doing it over Zoom today because John had already done all the interviews, and he's like, we can bang this out over Zoom. So I, I, I just don't see you in your tight pants today, mate. Disappointing. Just done my. Uh, yep, yep. No, I was going to say something inappropriate, but um, <laughs> yeah, we, we are good to go. And it wasn't a big. Weekend of triathlon. There's lots of other sporting highlights for Kiwis, but uh, we're going to talk triathlon today. Well, let's talk about our patrons first. Let's say thank you to our patrons, John. Jennifer Triple Jump Edwards. We've got John Tipping Point Ennis. And Brian, the funny guy, Fallon. So today we've got some news. We've got Hot Topic of the Week, but we've got a few interviews, John. So what are we doing? Yeah, I thought it'd be good to focus on some age group interviews from the Nice World Championships uh, the weekend before last. You know, um, yes, maybe get some pros on at some stage. There's been so many interviews already with the the top pros um, for, from various different you know shows that are actually were on site in Nice. Um, but just sort of age group perspective would be fantastic. So we've got three different age groupers. We're talking to Seth Bidding, who is from Canada. He's uh, done a variety of different. Iron distance races before, he's done Kona, he's done Epic Camp, uh, and very experienced man. I think he might have done Ultraman possibly as well. Um, then we've got Gary Milner, a different perspective. He's from the UK and he is a legacy athlete, so totally different um, motivation to go over there. And then the last one is Terry Bessidy from Switzerland. He's been on the show before. Um, we talked to him once about Everesting. Uh, he's also been on Epic Camp as well. Um, and he's a, sort of an athlete that probably, or not, at this stage hasn't been able to qualify for Kona um, so this was a, a pathway into a world championships event okay so let's kick into it we of the week at the end and maybe some questions and answers so John we had a couple of races happening over the weekend we had Maryland uh, another race where the, the swim was shortened so do you know what actually happened there uh, it sounded like windy conditions and just tidal conditions, so I don't know exactly, but I, it is a good question. How many races this year uh, and in the last couple of years have been affected by uh, weather conditions or water quality? It just seems, it's, you know, I'm going to guess we've had, I can remember at least two or three this year and probably quite a few more, as well as the races that have been completely cancelled because of, um, you know, forest fires, the ones up in Canada and so on. So, yeah, they ended so up having a very, very short swim. That's what about a K? Oh no, not even that. I think it was it was like maybe nine hundred meters or something. The swim times were you know twelve or thirteen minutes. So okay. yeah, it was wasn't very far at all. Um, so yeah, just just for the record, nine hundred meters is pretty close to a K. Just just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I saw it was in maybe 900 yards. So, okay. but anyway, that didn't take them long. The the swim times were you know 12 12 and a half minutes, uh, and some of those swimmers were were not super strong. You know, Sam Long did 12 minutes and 16 seconds. So, um, yeah, it was pr pretty short. On the female side, though, we had a repeat winner in terms of Ironmans this season. Alice Roberts. Uh, she hasn't got a big resume, um, but she's raced. 
three times this year. She got sixth at Ironman Texas. She got first at Ironman Lake Placid and then backed that up the first here at Ironman Maryland. She swam the 13.25, biked 4.35. That's a smoking hot bike time. Yeah. Uh, and then ran a 3.02 for 7.56 overall time. Doesn't mean much when when you don't have the proper swim, but good on her for, for taking out the females race by you know, over 10 minutes. And then on the boys' sides. Um, What's well, interesting, if you look at the boys' side, Michael Weiss, if you let's say the swim is in 12 minutes, then he biked 401 and then ran a 239 for a sub seven hours of 659. You add what maybe how much would you add to that run? Well, if he's a pretty he's a pretty shitty swimmer, but you'd so you'd add um 40 to 45 minutes, oh, okay. so you know, okay. 745, but that's okay. still. Yeah, that's yeah. Not, not bad. Uh, so, yeah, Michael Weiss took it out. As Bevan said, 401 on the bike and 239 run. That's brilliant. Uh, and broke the seven-hour barrier. Uh, Jason Pohl was second and Sam Long, who we don't see do a lot of iron distance races. Uh, he was in third place. You know, still a respectable run, 244. But, you know, these days, um, if you're not running a low 240s or in, even into the 230s, uh, didn't didn't take home the bacon. But, you know, an Ironman finish. So, yeah, pr- pretty good racing. You know, he had 12 minutes covering the top uh, top four athletes with Cody Beals in fourth. Now, John, if we, we look at Ironman Italy's ever race that happened over the weekend, uh, Maryland had 75,000 US and Italy had 50, but Italy was only male race or male only race. So, of, you know, you actually make it more runny money if you go to these individual races, really, aren't you? Uh, yeah, true. Um, and it's interesting though to see you know some of these athletes. It wasn't a, necessarily a strong field, but you know people choosing to do this over and above the World Championships, which was which was one week ago. So the likes of David McNamee, who's been a you know a podium place getter at uh, Hawaii before, you know has chosen to go elsewhere. You know maybe he thought this race suits him more, and he's got an opportunity to win an iron distance race. He ended up in second place, um, but guy Sten. Oh, it's a tricky surname. Stan. I'll, I'll do the apple. I'll Go- do the apple. Goats Goats and Weirs. Dollars. That's not even remotely close. Anyway, it's from Belgium. Fantastic effort. He swam 49.57, biked a 4.07, and then ran a 2.38. David McNamee was running him down. He ran a 2.34.50, but that wasn't enough. It was very nearly enough. He got within 45 seconds, um, but pretty close racing. And Henrik Ghosh was third place. So this guy, Sten, I've never heard of him before. He's and if you look at his work. results, there's, you know, like basically he got a second in Austria back in 2019, but he, he's been around for a long time. This is by far his best performance. Yeah, he got third at uh, Zalem, say, 70.3 earlier this year, but uh, no, that's a big step up. So good on him. Doesn't even have a profile on uh, PTO. He's got a he's 31, uh, so he's been around obviously for a little bit. Uh, so good on him for taking the W. We also had a few 70.3s happening over the weekend, so let's just do the winners of those, John. Yeah, Tamara Jewett and Jackson Laundry took out uh, 70.3 Michigan, um, just took out uh, Lionel Sanders of Jackson Laundry. Uh, 70.3 Milk Heist um, was uh, Lucy Buckingham and Peter Hemrick, who DNF'd last week at... The, the World Championships, uh, then in Sarmarkland, which I've never heard of. This is a challenge race. And I looked it up, and it's in Uzbekistan. Oh, really? So, um, which is crazy. Frederick Funk and Ali Salthouse took that out. And then 
we had there was one other one we had some guys here we go uh the triathlon royan in france clement mignon and arthur horseau who both raced really well at uh nice last weekend doubled up the weekend after to do a half ironman finish in first and second place which is just crazy so uh good on them and then good old gomez is back in the game he's uh done two races in two weeks and won both of them granted they are just spanish regional races but uh back in the game have our Gomez at age 40. Well, back in the game at 40 is pretty impressive. Uh, we did have one other race, which was called the Open Lakes in Belgium. Now, I actually can't get the results up, John, but you, where'd you find this? Was this on trade I, 246? I've, I've just never, yeah, I've just never seen this one before. It looks like a cool little race. So I've got a half and a full and all that sort of stuff. And on the boys' side, uh, plus Bram de, no, Van de, uh, Bram plus Vander Plus, yeah, geez, I butchered that. He swam 52, biked a 449 and ran a three hour for an 849. So pretty cool to be going uh, sub nine. And then on the female side, let's see if we get another tricky Dutch name. Oh, no, yeah, uh, Celine Derry. Uh, so they're all from Belgium. She swam 111, biked a 557 and ran a 401 for an 1121 for a dojo domination, winning by 29 minutes. Okay, now also we've got some races coming up. We've got Ironman Chattanooga happening this weekend and also Alberman in Italy. It's between Corsica and Italy, so it'd be a pretty cool race. Yeah, it's been around for a long time, uh, on just on an island, a uh, three-lap bike course, um, but looks like a really cool race. That's Alberman. Okay, so the real big news is we've got John's short course update. Gwen has been given a shot at the grand finale. So how many Americans are actually in this race? I mean, actually, when I looked, I think last week there was uh, there was maybe five or so in there. But you know, because she's won two World Cup races in the last uh, two weeks, she has managed to improve her rankings. So I'm pretty sure she's rolled onto the start list. I don't think she's going to be affected, but good on her for bloody having a rocky road on her comeback after a rocky old time running marathons and getting herself back into good good shape. You know, I did actually watch her racing the. Uh, race she won last weekend and she out sprinted Rachel Klammer and Rachel Klammer these days you know she's still a good athlete but she's certainly not one that's uh, in line for for winning events but you know Gwen says she's on an upward trajectory she's still got just about no chance I reckon of making the team but she's given it her best shot and uh, and improving so yeah the grand finale this weekend is in Pontevedra which is in Spain it should be awesome racing the course is nothing to get uh overly excited about from what i could see you know there's a little hill each lap on the bike but it's pretty minuscule not enough to probably break things up um but we've basically got a two-person shootout on both the males and the females side so on for the females um we've got cassandra bulgrand who's currently leading the series and beth potter is just behind her uh, and basically whoever wins out of those two uh or places above the other should take out the World Series. And then likewise, similar scenario on the boys. You've got Alex Yi currently leading the series in front of Hayden Wild. And I believe that if uh, Hayden Wild finishes in front of Alex Yi, uh, he'll take the take the overall series. So really cool to have a grand finale where it really does matter. Um, it does get a little bit complicated. Like last year, it went mental in the boys race because both Alex Yi and Hayden Wild uh, blew up and it just ended up all the different permutations and neither of them ended up winning the series so there is um that is the potential for that to happen but those uh the leading contenders show we've only seen i think alex Yi and hayden wild properly go head to head 
one, where they started the run together once this season, uh, and in that race, Alex Yee pulled away uh, just in the last, you know, last four or 500 metres or so. Uh, we've had them race at other races, but one's been a little bit in front or one's fallen off their bike or whatever's happened. Um, so it should be, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. When we look at those two, because they seem to be the dominant players at the moment, at least, uh, they're both still quite young. When do you hmm. see their peak years? Uh, well, they're, they're sort of coming into their prime now, and they've both improved on their weaker disciplines. You know, both of them are a bit um, frail sometimes in the swim, but they're sort of working on that. Alex Yee yeah, used to be a little bit susceptible on the bike, um, but he now is, you know, looks to be really strong on the bikes. So, yeah, they're in their prime years, and they just need to, you know, make hay while the sun shines at the moment because we've seen how quickly, not just in triathlon, but in all sports, you know, once you come off that peak, it can be, can be pretty tough. You know, you look at the likes of Johnny Brownlee and, and Alistair Brownlee, once they came off their peak, you know, they were invincible for such a long time. Um, but once you fall off that other side, it's um, it's it's pretty rough. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're coming right into it. So I think, you know, the next um, Olympic cycle or next next year at, at Paris, you know, that's that's pretty much their peak. And, and you'd think they'd hang on for another Olympic cycle, but you never know what happens. So, uh, yeah, it's also the World Age Group Championships this weekend over the Olympic distance and also the Under-23 World Championships as well. Okay, this week's discussion. So last week, did you watch the pro men's race at the Nice Ironman World Championships or did they excite you as much as Kona in the previous years and we definitely got a mixed opinions on this i'll start with scott horn he's got no it was cool as i know the long history of nice but excitement level was down a few notches just a few bunch of solo ride shots of riders as the course and the view didn't allow for the bigger picture like kona you can't beat the kona swim and run venue George Samuel, I think the World Championship should move, and I did watch almost the entire race. However, personally, no. I didn't think it had the magic despite the race being good and uh, a better time zone for us UK watchers. Chuck Mamers has got, I think because it was the unknown, uh, what I could yarn do on this course made it interesting. Sam was amazing, and all pursuers on the day. Doug Gordon, I enjoyed watching the bike but found the run boring. Nothing better than watching the Kona run with them going through the energy lab right on the limit. Shame they can't mix up the run with a bit of uh, go somewhere else apart from up and down four times on the uh, the Promenade des Anglaises. Richard Swanee knows he's got a good point. He said Kona has a great time zone for us Kiwis and I have to admit yeah, it kind of didn't work for me Just and, and purely, yeah. and this would be for other people in other parts of the world when it's in Kona. But Kona's perfect for us Kiwis. You wake up in the morning, it's going all day throughout the day. You can kind of, I've had times where I've watched the whole race or just come in and out. This one here, admittedly, I, I, I got the day wrong, so I missed the first part anyway. So I got to watch half an hour before I went to bed and I woke up and it was done. So I didn't get, you know, just timing wise, it didn't work for me like Richard. Mm. Brian Hardy, he was actually over there racing, watched it the next day and glad I could fast forward. A hard place to do coverage, but there are so many opportunities now with fixed points and pros, uh, GoPros and drones. Tracking for the pros need to ch- needs to change to GPS uh, and so on. So yeah, he was, um, with some improvements, it can be a much better age group spectator and broadcast experience. Uh, Phil Scott's got the bits I watched were good from an excitement perspective, watching how many media scooters, bikes, mono scooters they had on the run course was ridiculous both the im app and the coverage didn't show the charge from Langer till very late 
Uh, Jared Crump said, personally, I felt the hype and unknown were a step up from Kona. Very worthy course, and the different characteristics were super interesting. Having both is a good mix. Uh, old Davis has got, our uh, coverage was always is always bad as they use tracker splits rather than GPS tracking. So time gaps are only accurate at timing points. Course looked great, but comical to see the cars and other cyclists on the road and age groupers run uh, on the run made it a total mess. Uh, Lucy Francis, she's a bit of a regular. She, yes, uh, she did find it exciting. Um, we did enjoy the hype. Actually, I'm a big Kona fan. Started watching the live YouTube feed out of curiosity and got hooked. European time zone also helped. I thought the commentary and race coverage was pretty good. Too many advert breaks, but I used those as toilet breaks for making tea, etc. We're drinking a lot of tea then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James oh, Thomas has got. Trips. Yeah. Uh, I suppose if you drink a lot of tea, you're going to have a lot of toilet trips. Uh, I wasn't sure about the whole Nice versus Kona thing, but uh, they sure put a spectacle on. Every bit as good as Kona. Beast of a course, too. I surprised myself. Definitely enjoyed it and definitely changing of the guard. WRT, the men's pro field. Fantastic. Now for the women's race. Can't wait. Uh, last one I'll do Oliver Harkins says the bike course at Nice is a hundred times more interesting than the Queen K war fest so Martindale's got overall I feel that Ironman did a good job with the race coverage the course looked good and challenging without some of the pro top pros racing I felt like it was watching another race nothing against the pros racing for me Ironman World Championship should be held in Kona maybe Ironman should look to do a February March race and still have the October race as well Oh, right. So the question the question was: Did watching the pro men at the Ironman Nice World Championships excite you as much as Kona in prior years? So for me, pre-race, uh, definitely the excitement and hype was uh, as as good as Kona. Um, part of that was the yarn factor. Part of it was uh, Nice just being a totally different bike course and being a a relatively wide open men's race. So that was uh, equally as exciting for me when it actually came to watching it. I think I've been we've been a little bit spoiled by so much triathlon on recently with the PTO races, which I have watched all of them, and generally the, the time zones for them have been great, and the standard of commentary, uh, the standard of coverage and information you get while watching it has made the Ironman coverage uh, look even worse than what it has been previously. So the coverage, as you guys all saw, was pretty similar to what we've experienced before. So yeah, I found that, uh, again, as Bevan said, the time zone made it tricky. So yeah. you know, I thought the swim, it was was cool, you know, uh, really like that. Don't Didn't really feel that was any different to what you'd expect in Kona. The bike was better, although the coverage was tricky because you didn't have that pack dynamic. Um, I do agree with people that that the, uh, the run just got messy when it was a four laps and you had age groupers on the course. Yes, when you go to Kona, you see the age groupers and, and things like that on the course, but they're not getting lapped. And so you kind of, when there's a shot, you know who's leading and so on. So I think for me, um, yeah, time zone sucked. Excitement pre-race was, was fantastic. Um, the coverage was stock standard, could be so much better, and that's not slagging off the commentators. It's just like they just get thrown under the bus. There's so much easy stuff they could do for minimal cost. Um, but then the big thing for me was, uh, yeah, not having the females there. So you've just got that one race to focus on. And I know last year in Kona we had the two-day format, but not having the females there to, to talk about and discuss and dissect, um, I felt sort of took away from the experience. And I, yeah, so 
yeah, I'm sort of sort of a little bit on the fence there. Um, but I I do think uh, I like to see the world champs move around for the pros. I, I, the only thing I would say. The race definitely had enough of the pros to make it exciting, but I think not having Blumenfeld and um, who have got blank on right now. Um, Ian. Yeah. Not having those two there did take something away from it for me. And also, the like, I get that we're going to lose the guys who don't have great bike skills or the athletes who don't have great bike skills on a nice course. Um, but not having those people there also takes something away. You know, like having a Sanders there, having, you know, some of those guys who probably look at this race and go, oh, it's not for me now. I don't know it's always cool and Coney when you got those guys who you you know might might have something in the race later on in the race, but you know so for me I think there was a little bit lost because of the strength of field, mm. yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see the strength of field next year on Kona because I imagine I think we probably will find Kona will be the stronger field each year because it's even though you can say that the heat athlete's going to be hurt by Kona, more athletes have a chance of being successful in Kona than maybe in Nice. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Disagree with you on that one, but let's wait and see. I mean, well, this 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 time round, Eden and Blumenfeld had yeah, nothing to different do with the course. I would say perhaps the only I know there was, there was definitely a few that um, didn't go because of the course, but I think that this is going to be a trend we're going to see more and more, and perhaps the World Championships won't be as big a drawcard. I reckon I reckon there'll be people like a, a David McNamee who for whatever reason didn't go to Kona to Nice this year. I think more of them will do do the similar thing for, for Kona next so year. So do you, you know, think if go. the race the same race was in Kona, we would have a stronger field? Other than Blue Felton? No, I I think it would have been very, very similar. Um oh, and I think, so I, I think it was more because of the course, not the race. And I think because there's so many other races now, you know, and with the PTOs and, and what have you, and just the expense of going to Kona is off the charts. There's going to have to be a really big reason to go to Kona if you're not a contender for the for the win. So, uh, but we shall wait and see. Yeah, interesting. Okay, uh, this week's discussion. Now you got two here, and I have to admit, your first one, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of. Doesn't make okay. sense. Well, okay, I don't use it, but I just think it's an interesting question that, and you'll hear this from a couple of our interviewees later, um, where there's no, there was no females at the World Championships. Does Do you know anybody who thinks that having, except for Ironman organisation, that having a separate venue for the males and females for World Championships is a good idea? Well, maybe, cannot... maybe instead of saying, do you know anybody, maybe the question is, do you think it's a good idea? And if so, why? Go for it. Okay. Because I was like, well, do you know anybody? It bamboozles me. Yeah, bamboozles Okay, me. so the question is, wait, it's going to be right this down. The question is what? Um, do you think it's a good idea to have split world championships? And if so, why? Yeah. Yeah? Are you happy with that? You've overruled me. Yep, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I want to comment on it now. I'm just gagging to comment, but we have to wait till next week. Uh, okay. Age group, yeah, all right. World, world championships, okay. Um. My okay. weekly quiz. While Bevan types away, he's, yep. he's officially the world's slowest typer. But oh, no, no, I'm a pretty good typer. There we go. Maybe it's maybe it's our internet connection. It's just like I'm seeing one letter go up at a time. This week's quiz. We had uh, Javier Gomez in the news um, because he's done two races in two weeks for two wins. So good on him to see him come back. Uh, he's 40 years of age now. How many Ironmans has Javier Gomez done? It's a really good question. That's a great mm. question. Okay, we'll come back to that after the interview. So we've got three interviews coming up. We'll put them on back to back. So we've got Seth, we've got Gary and Tiri coming up, and I'll put them in that order, and then we'll see you on the other side of these interviews. Here we go right now. Righty-ho, team. Uh, and first of our little uh, mini age group 
uh, interviews from athletes who are over in the world champs in Nice. We've got a guy, I think he's been on the show before because he's done uh, a couple of epic camps. He's also done Hawaii Ironman, uh, amongst other things. His name's Seth Bitting. He's from Canada. Uh, and the good thing is with our age groupers, um, I don't think any of them are pro age groupers. Seth uh, is a hardworking man in the medical industry, as um, a doctor, got a family as well. So uh, got to do the real deal. So welcome, welcome probably back to the show, Seth. Thanks, John. Fun to uh, be here. Cool. So, so for the audience, give us a little little background about what life looks like for you um, sort of on, on a weekly basis so that they sort of know what sort of athlete you're at, you're at and, um, and kind of where you've come from. So I'm an orthopedic surgeon and I'm married. I have two teenage daughters, 13 and 15. So I'm working full time and... Uh, trying to squeeze in training around work and family commitments basically yeah what 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 uh, what's the secret to your success in terms of making training happening because uh when i emailed you i said uh yeah what's your availability like and you got like a bloody 12 hour day at work tomorrow so so how do you how do you sort of make it work and any tricks of your trade uh get the training done early is uh the reliable way to do it and if if things don't happen uh, before work, then there inevitably seems to be uh, barriers that pop up to make it more difficult to, if you try to squeeze things in later in the day. And the second factor for me is just to make sure that the family also knows what my plans are so that there's support on the family front to help me uh, to get the training in, if at all possible. Nice, awesome. So, yeah, obviously you're an experienced athlete. You know, you've been um, done lots of different races all over the place. What was the the motivation to to go over to Nice? So I've done the World Championships in Kona twice, and multiple different uh, seventy point three World Championships over the years. And I was planning on racing Ironman Canada in Penticton, which uh, mm. out of all the venues. I would say is my favorite Ironman venue in the world, um, but I had an opportunity to do the race in Nice, and initially I thought I'd do both Penticton and the World Championships, but they're only two weeks apart, and at least for me, realistically, that's just not enough recovery time. I've done Penticton probably seven or eight times now. And so to be part of the inaugural World Championships in Nice on a course that's new to me was very motivating and, and uh, it's always fun to be part of a new event and especially one of, of this magnitude. So when you, when you heard about the announcement they were going to be moving the world champs from Kona um, lots of people weren't happy with that what was your sort of view did you think it was a, a good idea um, yeah what did you think uh, certainly mixed emotions like there's so much history and so many things that are tradition in Kona um, the swimming at the pier Lava Java the the Mark and Dave Hill yeah. all the classic things um so not having that is just different and so um 
the flip side is that it is a new course and, and to have different challenges outside of the heat and humidity and winds on the bike course that are present in Kona to have a completely new set of challenges with a highly technical bike course that has uh, 8,000 plus feet of elevation and some serious technical descending skills that are required. Um, all of that made me excited to, to be part of it. And, and how did you prepare, you know, full on um, in, in terms of A, getting your fitness to, you know, what you feel is, is world championship level for you? And, and how did you go about also preparing for the course? Unfortunately, my work commitments this year have been exceptionally demanding. And so uh, I've had more work commitments that I've ever had in my 16 year career. And so training certainly was not optimal. Um, I did the best that I could to get in as best shape that I possibly could. But I knew this, even if it was not as challenging of a course as Nice's, I knew this was not going to be a personal best race, yeah. but I felt confident and, and ready to race. Um, so from a training perspective, that's kind of what I was, the cards I was dealt. Um, in terms of preparing for the course, where I live is very mountainous and a lot of our climbs are kind of in that half an hour to 40 minute range so nice. I felt like I was very prepared for the climbing um, in North America or at least in my area of British Columbia the descending is more point and shoot and you just go yeah. at very high speed in a straight line there's there's not the technical twisty windy changes that uh, are certainly present in many of the European roads oh um Okay, so if we sort of talk through the, the race, you know, each of the individual disciplines, uh, the swim, was it kind of roughly what you expected or did anything surprise you about the swim? So I arrived in Nice uh, nine days before the race, so on the Friday prior, and there was a swim race that was exactly the same course that we were racing on race day. So. I jumped into that on the Sunday a week before the race, which which uh, was a very smart thing to do in retrospect. The only thing was that water temperature was 24.3 for the practice race, so it was wetsuit legal. Uh, so I, yeah. I did that in a wetsuit and was certainly noticing I was sweating during the, the practice race swim, but uh, it was still a very useful experience to be able to swim at the same time as the race was going to be as the sun was coming up and especially navigating back towards shore with the sun kind of in the corner of your eye uh, there were there were some buildings and rooftops that i was using for navigation that uh, became that much easier on race day so yeah. the the only difference on race day was i was in a swim skin as opposed to the wetsuit but it it was very useful to have done that the the week prior. Oh, and in terms of the bike, you know, um, we saw the pictures of the pros, you know, spanking it around there. One of the things that sort of was going to intrigue me from an age group perspective is if you were, you know, a bit further down the field, either in the swim or a late starter, um, 
what the course was going to be like in terms of passing and, and just general congestion out there. So maybe just talk us through your, your experiences on the bike and, and how it sort of compared to what you, you expected. But I, I guess you probably did some recon in that first sort of nine days. So on the recon front, what I did on the first day was ride just the first kind of 40 kilometers of the course and after 10 kilometers along the, along the Mediterranean, you start climbing right away and that first kind of 10 kilometer up and down climb is the steepest gradients on the course. So the first climb that you hit probably has some pitches that are in the 16, 18, even 20% range. Very short, but uh, enough to make me think, oh, I, maybe I should uh, add a couple cogs to my rear cassette for the race. Yeah. But on, on race day, um, things were a bit congested on the flat first 10 kilometer section, and um, it was coned off and quite narrow, so you were inevitably in a pack, but as soon as we started climbing, things broke up immediately. And for the first two climbs, the first being about 10 kilometers and then a bit of a downhill, and then the main 18 kilometer climb, uh, it was it was a steady stream of people that I was kind of going by, um, mm -hmm. but there wasn't really the, there was no draft dynamics because you're climbing. So yeah. I, I was surprised, however, that I, during the entire bike course, I only saw one draft marshal. Oh, really? And he, he didn't seem very interested in <laughs> me or the people I was around. So um, I, I wouldn't say it impacted my race in in any way but uh i was expecting to see more of a presence of drafting officials yeah what about the um you know descending you know um going uphill is one thing it's pretty easy to pass people descending um you know there's going to be massive variability between um you know athlete skills and speed they go downhill so uh what was that like for you so probably the smartest thing that i did when I got there was on the Sunday, so exactly one week before the race, I did my last kind of long brick session. And because I didn't have family with me and I had not rented a vehicle, what I did is I rode the final descent of the course backwards. So I did the full climb that we were going to descend at the tail end of the race course and and it was hugely beneficial to have experienced that at least once on the way down because this this descent is it's not insanely steep by any means but it's exceptionally twisty and there's potholes everywhere there are manhole covers there are speed bumps there's roundabouts and so it it demands a significant amount of technical ability and to have some sort of familiarity with which corners you can stay in the arrow bars, which ones you really should get up and be on the bullhorns was so valuable on race day. So it was, I, I would describe myself as a competent but conservative descender. Mm. 
and on race day, I was just flying by an endless stream of people on that descent. Like it, it made me wonder how many people only ride on Zwift and never ride outdoors because I was going probably 60, 70, 80 kilometers an hour and many people looked like they were going 30 kilometers an hour on this descent, wow. like just on the brakes all the way down. Yeah. So, so it was, uh, it was very fun for me. I, I probably enjoyed that descent the most out of the whole bike course. Um, but it was an eye opener to see kind of the varied skill level of age groupers coming downhill on the triathlon bikes was quite variable in terms of how fast people were going. So, so if, uh, if anyone's going to do the race in the future, I think experiencing that descent two or three times would be by ideal, but even if you can do it once, it's very valuable. Nice, excellent advice. And the run, you know, the run was pretty straightforward, four, four laps, but what was the sort of the feeling like on the run compared to other big events you've been to, um, you know, in terms of this being supposed to be being a, well, was a world championship, what was it like on the run? So my own bias is towards single lap or, or maybe two lap courses. So to have four laps uh, was not something I was eagerly looking forward to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, from a spectator perspective, I'm sure it was fantastic to be able to stay in one spot and see the athlete that you're interested in cheering on eight times over the course of the run is probably a great thing. But for me, uh, just mentally, it's it's a little more challenging to be doing that many laps. Yeah. And what was surprising was how hot it felt to me, at least on the run, like it was 28, 29 degrees, but I think the added humidity, it was about 65% humidity, uh, almost made it feel Kona-like to nice. me. Yeah. And so I had a whole strategy of stuffing ice everywhere at every aid station. But after two laps, unfortunately, the aid stations ran out of ice. So that strategy yeah. kind of fell by the wayside and I started to really feel hot on the on the run. Yeah. And so what, what's the overall experience like? You know, it's it's not Kona. As you said, you don't have Lava Java. You don't have necessarily the same sort of history there. But did it kind of meet your expectations? And what was your sort of overall you know, feeling about the event when you went away? So I would say my overall experience vastly exceeded expectations. Like oh, it was just a phenomenal event in a phenomenal location. I had a great week. A uh, big part of that may have been the accommodation. Like it was so easy to get accommodation, first of all. And I ended up fortuitously being in an Airbnb that was looking right down on the Ironman village. Oh, and wow. it was a 500 meter walk to the swim start in the morning. And everything was just logistically so easy. And, and having an endless number of restaurants, like it's not like waiting in line for an hour to get something at Lava Java. There was just an endless number of cafes and restaurants all along the Promenade d'Anglaise. So the, the logistics of everything was fantastic. It was very well organized. Um, the one thing that I really noticed was the lack of female athletes. Yeah. And so from my perspective, I think 
that took away from the experience. I, I would mm -hmm. really like to see the World Championships be in one location for both males and females. I think, I think that would be important. Um, but I think Nice is a great venue and uh, the industry presence probably wasn't quite at the same level as Kona, but there was oh, a lot of kind of additional events going on. There were some live podcasts that I took part in and, and I think with a few more years there'll be traditions that become part of the Nice experience. Yeah, cool. Excellent. Oh, no, it's good to hear some, some positive stuff there. You know, it seems um, when we put a little post out on Facebook, there was some, some mixed feedback. You know, little things like running out with ice kind of sucks, but that often happens at events, rightly or wrongly. Um, anything else you want to share about the experience or, or any advice you might give to anybody? Well, I, I think I would encourage anyone who has the opportunity to... Uh do the race in Nice and, and have the World Championship experience there. I think a little bit of previewing the bike course, especially the descents, would, yeah. would go a long ways towards improving the experience. And I, I just think it, it, overall it was a very, very positive experience for me. Oh, Awesome. Did you get to see any of the pro race while you were out there or were they done dusted by the time you got off the bike? I know there was quite a big spread and, and wave starts. I was I was able to see Sam when I was in T two, the announcer was saying Sam Laidlow has five kilometers to go and oh. he's got three minute lead on Patrick Langa and so as I was heading out, they were coming back in the opposite direction. So I, I saw the entire pro field basically. Yeah. Oh, very good. Oh, thanks so much for your time, Seth, and uh, good to see you out there spanking it and, and doing races around the world. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much, John. Right, team, next up for the age group interviews uh, from the Nice Ironman World Champs is Gary Milner. He's from the UK. He got into Nice via the Legacy Program, so it'll be good to get uh, some perspective um, via those that were in the Legacy Program. So welcome along to the show, Gary. Cheers, thank you for having me. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, um, where you're from and, and what life looks like and, and what your path was to, to getting to Nice. Oh, oh God. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, a, I'm a, an ageing athlete. Well, not ageing uh, too much too yet, but uh, so I'm sort of in the over 50s group. Yeah. Um, I, I took up triathlon, crikey me, fairly late to, to the game actually um so i was around about sort of late 30s uh, mm -hmm. had to retire from racket sports and i thought uh let's uh, let's give this a go and um after about one olympic event all of a sudden i ended up uh, uh in the uh, the ironman distance and um and that's where i've sort of stayed for for uh, quite a few years now and, and what do you do for for nine to five and what what does life look like outside triathlon <laughs> so, so I'm, uh, I work for a medical company. Um, so I've been doing that for for quite a few years. And um, I suppose life outside of work and triathlon, uh, the, I mean, there's not a great deal of time left to be honest. I mean, yeah. uh, I tend to uh, tend to train most of the year, and I finish off about October, and then spend about three months just doing nothing but drinking and eating. <laughs> and then, um, and then January kicks in, and you think, Christ, I better get myself in shape, and uh, and it all starts again. 
Good. So obviously people are aware of the legacy program. You've got to do, I think it's maybe 12 Ironmans now. Um, what what was your sort of path to, to getting to Nice? You know, have you just done 12 or have you done a lot more than that? Um, and, and what's the sort of progression been like? Yeah, so it started back in uh, 20, again, it's right, 2011. Um, so I did uh, London Marathon finished that and then a friend of mine said to me so well you've done the london marathon now what why don't you have a go at this uh this ironman uk thing um so i thought okay we'll have a go at that and that was uh back in the day where you could just uh enter literally sort of two or three weeks before an event yeah so i so i entered that and um and competed which i think was the first year it was in bolton um tough event loved it and uh as everyone probably thinks when they finish their first event they think never doing this again and two or three days later all of a sudden I'd entered a, a 70.3 in Mallorca and then um, entered another full as well that year so it, it just sort of took off from there really. And, um, and whereabouts have you done all your, your fulls? Um, have they sort of been across Europe or mainly sort of UK based? So the second one was actually was actually Ironman France with Nice. Uh, oh, yeah. back in 20, 2012 um and then i sort of uh then did i had uh i did the full in mallorca i've done bolton probably three times wales three times um crikey me italy uh barcelona a few times so all europe european based and i i, I did have this desire to sort of travel to to australia to america to do a real long distance one but uh i've just sort of uh Stuck with the uh, the European ones, really. So, so I'm obviously intrigued. You know, when you get to that legacy status, um, obviously things have changed a bit in the last couple of years. Um, but I assume you know you're at that stage. You will have had the choice of choosing between Kona and and Nice. So, what was the what was the decision to to go back to Nice, especially given you, you've already done the race? Yeah, so I I had some big issues when I when I first did Nice uh, way back. Um, I was a little bit complacent after having just done my first, and I thought, yeah, this is this is fairly straightforward. But it nearly went pear shaped when I went <laughs> back. So I sort of had that in the back of my mind, and I, I'd always said, yeah, one day I'm going to go to Nice, and I'm going to I'm going to do it properly. Um, I got my legacy spot quite early on, and this is when it was still planned to be in Kona. Um, so I booked up some accommodation, a hire car. Uh, I didn't quite get as far as booking the flight, but I had things fairly organised. And then I got wind of, of that it was potentially going to change to France. And I quickly jumped on to sort of booking.com and, and reserved some cheap accommodation before all the prices rocketed. And um, luckily, well, luckily, I suppose, uh, a week later it, it did. It was announced it was going to be Nice instead of Kona. So I cancelled everything I had for Kona and um, and went forward with with Nice. So first of all, there was the obvious that it was going to save me, I think, just on accommodation and and hire car and all this sort of thing. It was it was going to save me around about six thousand pounds, and that was yeah. that was just for me. Yeah. Um. I'd also got this thing in my mind anyway about wanting to go back. Um. And on top of that, I'd heard all of the the reports from the pros and and. Um, yeah, people saying that there's no support on the run, um, which which I really need because I'm I'm shocking at running. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just thought, crikes, you know, I've got this potentially I could be spending 
ten thousand pounds dollars uh going to kona yeah i might not even finish um because yeah. I'm, I'm sort of at that, at that end of things so i thought no this this makes much more sense i know the atmosphere is brilliant the course is brilliant and i just thought for me this this is great um and then even then they the iron man of uh emailed all of the legacy people that have accepted to do Nice and they've said, look, you know, do you want to do Kona the following year because of the yeah. changes? So so we've all had the option to go to Kona still next year if we want to. So you've got your cake and you can eat it. Well, yeah, I still, I, I, I don't think it's for me. I, I, I've heard all the reports and I just don't, I, I just can't warrant spending that sort of money to go all the way to Kona to then potentially uh, not finish. Um, I don't know. It's yeah. not for me, I don't think. So um, in terms of the Nice experience, you know, it's going to be really good to hear from you. you know, you've been there when it was the standard Nice Ironman. Um, in the course this time around, sounds like it was just marginally different on the bike. Um, but what yeah. was the experience like when it was the Nice Ironman compared to the World Championships? Uh, oh, I mean, it was my second event, uh, second Ironman. Um, I had... Uh, some some bike issues so when i set off on that event i was uh yeah it's probably i was a lot younger than i am now and i was sort of thinking right i'm going to set a really good time for myself here i'm going to really attack this and i sort of cycled out to the airport and then he took a turn inland and then there was a really steep section and as soon as i hit that um something was rubbing on my frame mm. and i ended up having to, to to get off to try and figure out what was going on and push it up this small section of hill and it, it just went pear-shaped i took ended up having to take my brake off my bike thinking it was the brake <laughs> but it was it was actually the wheel rubbing against the frame so i then got a puncher because of that <sighs> so it was just a disaster first time around and um i sort of limped in after the run i was dehydrated because i'd not not thought about drinking enough and, and hydrating enough and it it was a disaster from start to finish so to get the opportunity to go back was 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 really really good yeah but what about the the atmosphere and the um and the standard of competition and just the just the general organization and vibe between the two events yeah so i mean the first time around so I, so bolton was my first and uh going to nice was my second nice was a much much bigger event and I mean, I've got to be honest, when you, when you do sort of Bolton and Wales, you get, you know, you get all sorts of shapes and sizes turn up to do those events. Um, lots of really sort of keen, uh, keen guys will just rock up. But when you go to the ones in Europe, it tends to be a little bit more serious. Um, you know, people generally in, in Spain, Italy, France, Germany take the triathlon a little bit more seriously. So everyone's looking a little bit more athletic. So I sort of turned up thinking, crikey, you know, this is this is big league um, and everything about it, it was a bigger expo. Uh, it was a much, much bigger registration. Um, so it was, it was quite daunting, actually, the first time around. Um, yeah. And then obviously the, you know, the big stage, the world championships was even more so. Um, so the the layout of, was 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 better. The expo was really really good. Um, there were there were pros everywhere. It still felt a little bit relaxed, um, right. but it was it was a great experience. 
Oh, and and for somebody, I haven't looked at what your times are like, but you know, you, you're sort of saying you're 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 towards the you're not towards the speedy end of the field. Um, how did you how do you find the the course, and and what advice would you give to people that are maybe considering Nice that that are at the less speedy end of the field? You know, what do, do you think people should focus on? Yeah, I mean, for me, my my knees have gone, so I I really struggled the run. Um, so. I, I'm not too not too bad at swimming, and, and I can bike a little bit, but I'm a, a heavier biker, so the Nice course isn't brilliant for that. Um, hence, why I've focused on Italy and Barcelona a few times recently. Mm. Um, but I mean, for me, it was all about making sure I I took enough on board because um, I knew it was still going to be warm, not as warm as as the sort of the main Ironman France in in June time, but. As soon as I jumped on that bike, I was I was literally drinking and eating as much as I possibly could. Uh, mm. And I'm going up the first big climb and I was dripping. I'm literally thinking, crikey me, if this carries on like this, yeah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so I'm just trying to I'm just trying to drink as much as I possibly can. And I got to the top. I was well inside the cutoff and then I could relax a little bit and then just go about my normal day, really. Um mm. I love I love descending, so that was a great part. I had great fun going down there. Made some time up, um, hit the run, and and for me, it's a it's not really a run. It's more of a uh, not very you know, good looking shuffle, really. Um, and and I, I scuttled around. Any any negatives about the event? You know, things that that didn't necessarily go go so well. Not necessarily from your point of view, but from um, from a event organisation or, or anything you, you didn't really like. Yeah, I mean, I I knew full well that I was, you know, being a legacy athlete, and I was going to be there with, you know, the be- some of the best guys in the world. Um, so I was conscious that on the run for the last lap, the last two laps, it's going to be a very lonely place. Um, so I prepared for that, uh, and that didn't bother me. But what was a little bit surprising is that they were already packing up the aid stations. Um, yeah, there was very, very little left, especially on the last lap. Mm. And when I was out towards the airport, which is a very dark place, there was literally nobody. And there was still probably there's still probably 40 of us out on that last lap. And mm. um, yeah, any, any one of those medical emergencies or something like that, that, and there was nobody to really pick it up. Mm. So that was probably the the only negative I'd expected to see a little bit more, apart from I was looking forward to a really big feast when I finished, and I walked into the uh, to the to the sort of area afterwards for the uh, post race nutrition, and literally there was a cheese and ham toasty, and that was it. So, oh no, uh, that was a bit disappointing. But that, but then again, I got my medal given to me by um, by the winner, and I met some guys, met some you know, Mark Allen, met all the met all the pros. Cool. They were all there at the finish line. It was brilliant. Excellent. Did they do anything for the legacy athletes? I think in Kona, um, in previous years, they have had like a legacy breakfast or something like that. Did they do anything like that for you guys? Yeah, they 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 did put on um, a dinner, but sadly, <laughs> I had to change my my plans to travel over, so I missed it. Oh, bugger! <laughs> which, is, which is typical. Excellent. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, well done on making it. It's great to yeah. It's really cool to hear some legacy stories. Um, what, what's what's next on the agenda for you? Have you got any big plans for next year? Uh, well, I promised 
uh, everybody I know, uh, well, mainly, mainly my wife, actually, that this will be my last. Um, and I'm still thinking that that probably is, actually. I, I need to just look at some 70.3s now, probably, yeah. and, or even even going back to Olympics. So um, just a nice scenic place for a 70.3 for me next year. Um, God, God knows where I'm just still, uh, I'm still shattered and, and recovering after exploits last week. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well done on getting through it. Um, if, it if it is the way you, you're going out to finish on a world championship course uh, in a location like Nice is, is a pretty cool way to, to finish it off. So well done. And thanks so much for coming on the show. Right, guys, a third of our age groupers from Nice has uh, been on the show before. Terry, the dirty little secret ambassador. Um, so welcome along, Terry. Yeah, hi, guys. Nice to be here. So you've got the, uh, the Abu Dhabi International Triathlon t-shirt on there. That's uh, that's a blast from the past, that race. It hasn't been a while. It's been a while since that's been on, isn't it? Yeah, I, um, I don't know when it stopped, but uh, I, did, uh, I participated in 2011. Yeah. Um, and in fact, that was... Um, part of the build-up for my first ever Ironman, which was in 2011 in Nice. Yeah. What, so, was, oh, um, what was Abu Dhabi like back in the day in terms of a race experience compared to what you, you've done more recently? As, what was Abu Dhabi like? Yeah. Uh, very, very hot. Yeah. Um, one of the hottest races I've ever done. Um, and yeah, the, pl- the place was a bit awkward because it was it was half built. So it was very empty i think now if you'd go nowadays it'd be um, a lot busier and uh, there's a lot more infrastructure but when i went there it was it was quite um yeah there wasn't much to it honestly but it was it was a really cool experience because again you could really i remember uh going tr- transition you had chris mccormack um faris al sultan guys like that you know who uh, luke mckenzie um who were racing um freddie van leerd uh, so all the, all these guys you know and you you felt really close by cl- close to them so that was really really cool yeah but yeah. it was a race that was at the time drew big like for a moment there was kind of like one of the top 3 races in the in the world really wasn't it yeah i think so um so i lived in the uk at the time um and uh, it was fairly easy to travel there i guess it was for me it was just a training race for nice um and it was in march i think it was in march and there was a perfect build-up and nice was end of june uh, something like that so that was a perfect uh race i didn't do the full full distance i did uh, the, the half distance there which was i think 1.510 and i think the full was three 220 if i remember well something yeah. like that oh, very good be good uh, discussion. What uh, what big races that there used to be that aren't around any longer? There's certainly a few of them. So, but anyway, we're mainly here to discuss uh, discuss Nice. Um, and yeah. you've been there before and and done that. You've also done events like uh, Rote and plenty of other Ironmans around um, around Europe. You haven't done Kona, so um, you haven't sort of got that comparison. But you know, you've done Nice before and you've done other events. Um, how? Uh, easy was it for you to qualify for for Nice um, relative to say um, getting to to Kona and, and what did your sort of runway to Nice look like? So uh, yeah, I think I think the biggest difference probably this year was the fact that it was quite fairly easy to qualify. Um, I qualified in Austria in in June. I had a decent race, but not really the race I wanted to. Um, so but they had a lot of slots available i think it was one of the not at the last races but it was middle of june so 
I think there was a lot of backlog of spots that were opening up. And as the June, July races happened, all of a sudden you you heard, oh, we have 100 slots. We have 200 slots to to wow. give away. So I qualified. There were 30 slots in my age group. 30? Uh, 30. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think I was in the 20 or something, I think. Um, but I mean, when I was called up on stage, I was number four or number wow. five. But yeah, I was definitely really? not. I was yeah. So I was definitely not number four, number five in my age group. But I was. But you know that's because you have to go there and say, do you want to do you want to um, uh, go to Nice or not before you're called on stage? Otherwise, you know the procession would take hours. Mm. Um, so it, yes, admittedly, it was a lot easier to qualify. However, um, for me, it didn't really matter. It was my goal was to was to qualify for the world champs. I really wanted to go because it's a world champs, and then I wanted to experience a world championship. Mm. Um, and in terms of you've you've got the unique position where you can compare Nice to when it was a standard Ironman um, compared to the world championships. Um, how different experience was it in terms of the whole show and the vibe and so on? I'd say, I, I mean, I, I think maybe um, I look back at my first race in Nice as with a bit of uh, glitter or something like mm -hmm. that, because it was my first Ironman. So obviously, I maybe have a bit of a biased opinion about Nice. Um, but it definitely felt different from all the other races, Ironman races that I've done. Um, you know, the you, you just running through the city, you, you bump into pros all the time i mean on saturday morning i think just running on the promenade i, I saw fredino i saw uh luke and beth, beth mckenzie uh bob babbitt you know all, all the, the the personalities of the of the sport you, you you just bump into them on friday we went swimming with seth and sam laidlow was in the lane next to us mm. um so these sort of things never happened to me in other races and this definitely felt a lot bigger you had most of the brands that were there, I, I think for me, the expo was a bit underwhelming, I must say. Oh, really? mm -hmm. um, it was very small um, and not a lot happening. However, there was a lot of stuff happening around that. Um, so different brands had different spots um, around town and you could just go into different um, sort of events organized by these brands but but definitely the expo was 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 surprisingly small i was in the, the impression that all the european brands would say hey we can we can go to nice it's going to be a big show because it's not going to cost that much money to go to kona we can go to nice and have a big event and it wasn't the case really so that was a bit disappointing to be honest at the events leading up to the day, like in Kona, you have the Undy Run, you know, they have the few little events which are about building up to the race day. Was there anything like that happening in Nice? So I didn't, yes and no, I, I can't really tell you because I didn't attend much of that because okay. I, so I was working until quite late. I mean, I only traveled on the Thursday, okay. but I know you had the Parade of Nations and things like that. I don't think there was an underpants run, um, but there was there were definitely like fun runs and kids triathlon things like that so there was quite a big program but um to be honest i just kept it um to myself and just traveled on a thursday and then friday do registration etc and the time goes goes by pretty quickly 
So, so talk us talk us through the race. We'll go discipline by discipline. Um, the swim, maybe explain how they did the swim over there. I, I think it was wave starts and and what the experience was like for you in the swim. Because maybe the first time you did it, it might have been mass start or rolling start. So, so talk us through the swim. Yeah, you're right. In uh, Nice 2011, it was a, a mass start. Um, Two thousand people. You know that was awesome. So that was yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a big washing machine. That was crazy. Um, if I remember, I think that's my only mass start that I have ever done. Actually, soon after they rolled up with the wave starts and then rolling starts. Um, so yeah, Nice was a um, wave start. Um, I was in the second uh, age group. Absolutely. The so 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 sorry, the first age group after after the pros. So the second mm-hmm. start. So we had a clear, clearer path uh, swimming out. Uh, it was a non-wetsuit uh, swim, so 24.8 degrees, um, which was announced quite late. But I mean, I think people were quite, were expecting that. Um, it, what was quite strange was that there was um, it was a it was not f- starting from the beach directly because you start on the the, the, the beach in, in Nice is full of stones; it's not sand. So um, that's the difference versus 12 years ago. So it was an in-water start, but they they let your wave go and everybody go into the to the into the sea, and all of a sudden they go. You're barely into the sea, and the the the, the buoys are maybe 50 meters away, and they're like uh, starting in 20 seconds, and you're like, whoa, you know. So, <laughs> and the time starts when the gun goes off. So you you had this extra sort of distance to swim quite fast. Anyway, that's the funny thing. Then it was this sort of two loops, like bunny ears type of um, shape, um, which was great. I mean, I thought it was it was good. The um, kind of short enough loops to make it not as boring as a one big loop. Um, and then coming out of the swim, the odd thing compared to a few years ago, I think there was no. Um, no water, no sort of fresh water shower to get rid of the salt, which um, I found out later was a bit annoying and painful. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a, you accumulate a lot. It's a very, it's very salty. It looked like uh, a monster run to transition. It was quite long, but I've done others which were longer. Hamburg, for example. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm used to it now. But uh, no, it was it's long, but it's not. Yeah, no. It, yeah, it's fine. Transition is fine. So I guess for you, the the bike course, you know, you're from Switzerland, you've done um, Epic Camp, you've done lots of riding in the Alps, you kind of knew what you were in for. And I guess the benefit for you was you're in the first wave. Um, I guess the congestion was probably not such a big issue. So maybe talk us through the bike and being a European athlete, any any advice you'd give to, to, to Zwifters around the world that maybe don't spend too much time on the road? Um, yeah, so the 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 bike course. That's another difference versus twelve years ago. Is that it was significantly more elevation. So the the road had changed. Um, I think it was sixteen, seventeen hundred back in the days, maybe eighteen hundred, and I think this time it was about two point five, two and a half thousand meter elevation, or maybe two point four. Um, I chose to take a road bike um, because I thought with that much elevation. And the some of some parts are really, really, um, really steep, and I thought that's going to be real pain uh, to go with with the TT bike and the descending, especially because it's basically kind of sixty kilometer up, sixty flat, sixty down. That's kind of the breakdown. And I thought I'm not going to lose that much time on the flat 
Um, I will, of course, but you know, it will. I will make it up by going up and, and going down. But uh, as you said, it wasn't really congested, but still, it was a little bit. So, and there was a big debate about the center line, and that was the. Um, a lot of people were. I mean, certainly, I was as well. Quite worried about being disqualified. So all the advantage descending with a road bike was kind of nullified because you still were not in packs, but you were behind people and you couldn't overtake because there were too many people just going towards the center line, but you couldn't really overtake them. So that was a bit odd. So so it was definitely a bad choice, to be honest, to take the road bike. I had the road bike with the clipped on aero bars. But now looking back, I would have I would have taken the TT. Um, the TT How much bike. time do you think it cost you? So I had a really bad day. So okay. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't think it would have. No, I, I think it would. Um, I think on a on a you know not talking huge amount, but you know okay. a good t- ten minutes, 10, 15 okay. minutes okay. probably. So you if, know, you're, if so, you're trying to be competitive, it could. You know, it's a, yeah, definitely. But the road conditions are also something. I mean, John, you've ridden in France a lot. Um, you know how it is. I know how it is. I know I knew as well what to expect on the descent. You know, the descent are quite technical. It's not that technical, it's not the most technical descent, but the road surface is quite bad. So if you're I was so honestly, I was impressed by some of the age groupers who were descending like mad on the aero bars. And I just thought if there's there's any sort of you know, a hole on the road or whatever, this could be all over. And um, it was quite a lot of people were taking huge, huge risks. Um, a risk that I wasn't prepared to take. Um, I saw a big crash in a tunnel. Uh, the guy was, you know, being held, his neck and everything. So that wasn't pretty. That doesn't make you, you know, take any risks as well. Later on, your your attitude changes a little bit when you see this sort of accident happen. Um, so it was, um, I was impressed by, I must say, by the level of, of riding and risks that were being taken. I was, that was quite, uh, quite something. And, um, what, what about feedback you've sort of heard from, from other people, or if you had any friends racing, you know, I spoke to Seth, who, you know, he said he was bombing the descents, but in terms of feedback from other people on, on the course experience on the bike, what, what did you sort of hear? I think over, overall was a pretty good experience. Um, I think there's probably a lot of things that could be done better, but the um, overall experience was I was definitely a world champ, you know, and mm-hmm. it was it was worthy of a world championship. That that's the my, my as well my take. I, I think the course is is great, and I love the fact that you can reward a different type of athlete as well um one note i forgot to mention on the bike which was really disappointing i got stuck behind a van so Mm. a few times on the course we had cars and vans um so again the the point of the center line was actually quite valid because there were cars on the road on the other Mm. side quite a lot of time you had cars coming against us against traffic so it was not completely shut and that's something which I think if they really want to be a world champ, I think it's okay if you do it on the on the regular Nice Ironman circuit. But I think the moment you organize a world championship, you should have completely closed roads. I know mm-hmm. that's really difficult to do, but yeah. that that's what I would um, argue. And they can do it at the Tour de France, albeit it's for a shorter amount of time as the caravan passes. But yeah, it felt unsafe at times. That's what I would say. 
just on that, um, the, the bike course, did you see any pros? Like, you know, in Kona, you get to see them coming back. Like, the, the way the bike course worked, once the no. athletes are gone, so you only really you no, I, saw I, some on the run. I didn't see any on the okay. bike because it's a one-loop course. So yeah. they were long gone before, um, yeah. Okay. But uh, I saw them on the... I saw on the run. Well, my hope was to be overtaken by a few of them on the run, yeah. uh, but uh, in the end, I got I was a bit too slow on the bike. So basically, I I cycled as Sam Laidlow was basically three k before the end. Yeah. Uh, so I was just um, cruising a little bit just to watch him run, and as I was in transition, he just uh, he was winning. So I saw a few of the, the pros on the run, um, then I saw a few of the struggling pros on the run as well. So I saw them, uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's um I, I think yeah, on the bike you, you definitely don't see them. And on the run you would have I think it was um a nice I, I like the run course because it's just four laps. So that that that's something I quite liked. Um but I think otherwise a lot of people thought it was quite boring. Mm. But the part in town was really, really electric. That was that was amazing. The atmosphere was fantastic. Um and uh but yeah, the part of course close to the airport is not as is not as crowded but it's difficult to have a full 10k of you know uh crowd all, all over mm. so that's quite understandable and and in terms of your overall experience you know you've you've done road so you've done some big races and, and that's got a different sort of vibe you, you kind of felt like it it felt like a world championship or, um you know comparing to some other big races you've done yeah totally yeah I, it really did feel a lot different than any other races the the buzz i felt the buzz but maybe that's uh, maybe some other people were maybe not as excited i mean i heard people who thought that they couldn't feel the buzz nothing was happening but i think they were maybe uh, um, living a little bit more outside of town i was right in the center so for me i i, f- I felt the buzz of the world champs again like i said before just bumping into all these pros or the personalities of the sport basically on a on a on a if not hourly basis you know so on definitely on a daily basis yeah. um and um no everybody was there so it was uh, well most people were there the only thing obviously that was disappointing and that the most people i think were complaining about and i didn't think about it too much before the race but during the race and after the race it really hit me was the fact that there was no women so it, that felt really odd. It's the first race I do where there's only men. And um, yeah, I think there was definitely something missing there. I think I think that's the that was the biggest negative, I think, of the weekend. Mm. Oh, you, do, you did actually notice it. It's interesting. Yeah, you do notice it and you just uh, feel that it, I know there's not in any case a huge amount of, of, of women in the sport proportionally when you look at it i don't know if it's 10 20 or 30 percent but in in some races probably even less but um yeah it, it felt a bit strange and especially on on the bike obviously because then you just have men taking a lot of risks and it's just there's a lot of shouting a lot of you know so all that sort of stuff going on and uh yeah so <laughs> Excellent. So, where, where do you rate this on? Yeah, you know, the, the, obviously the race didn't go according to plan for you, and you had a bit of a rough day. Um, where did you? Where do you sort of rate this this experience? You know, you, you've done um, plenty of big races. Um, you know, where, where does it sort of sit for you? Oh, it's got to be one of the best experience um, in my triathlon 
whatever if you call it career or history or journey mm-hmm. because it's it's a world championships and you know non not everybody is lucky enough to be to experience the uh, experience Kona or you know or any world championship in any sport in fact you know and so because of the buzz because of the excitement um it really felt special com- compared to other ironmans that I've done um so i would say you know there's there's different elements of many different ironmans around the world that i could say okay the swim was better here the bike better there but i would say the overall the excitement i mean i i even felt really nervous on the day and that's probably why i didn't have such a great race because probably a bit overwhelmed mm. by by the event uh, and i think i just kind of shut down a little bit um but i didn't <laughs> to be honest i didn't train as hard as i did i've got a, always a very very busy summer it's the most complicated time of the year for me so i almost can't train at all so it was always going to be a rough day, but I didn't know how rough it was going to be. But um, no, otherwise, I, I would really highly recommend people to to do this race. Now, the only thing I have a bit of an issue with is that I could have done that race in June for half the price. Yeah. Um, now, that's that's something I still don't understand. I don't think there was any... The overall, of course, experience was great, but... You know the expo was not any different. N- nothing was different in a, in terms of I think costs mm. for Ironman, but yet they charge you fifteen hundred dollars. Whether whereas the the price in in June is seven hundred and fifty dollars. You know, so yeah, half price. And and that's where I really struggle to 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 yeah. I was a bit surprised that the price was the same. And essentially, I think next year you can do the same thing. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that's that's why I don't see people really think. Well, why would I go if I can do it in June for half yeah. the price? Okay, for sure it doesn't have the same feel, and but I think they if they really want to make this a special World Championships, they'll they're gonna have to make it more selective. I think. Yeah. Um. By not and that not having the other race would would help, I guess. But yeah. So what's next on the agenda for you? You know, is, is, there's a Kona, um, you know, the aspirations to get to Kona one day, or have you got any other big plans in the next year or two? Yeah, that's, well, I mean, that is that is my dream eventually would be to qualify for Kona. I'd love to go. That's, um, but I mean, I, I'm i also realistic. I know I now that I'm the, at the level I am, I know how hard it would be to to get a spot. And so for me, qualifying for Nice was a great way to go and experience world championships, um, race the same day as the big day for the pros. Because Kona is, is just so expensive. It's, mm. you know, you got to go there for a long time and everything. So, and Nice for me is just six hours driving away from home. So, um, and it had that little romantic uh if you want um history for me because that was my first I- ever ironman but uh yeah no i'd love to i'd love to qualify for kona one day i'm i'm working on it but there's going to be a lot of uh there needs to be you know, some improvements but yeah w- one day why not but what's on the cars next for me yeah Bevan. Oh, what's, just, you, so, what's the golden ticket is the golden ticket it, like if you if you hidden head nice is Kona still the golden ticket? Is, if you were to put them up against each other, would you still say Kona is the one you desire the most? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up watching Natasha Badman um, 
that's why that's why I know about Kona because once a year we had news. I was I would watch religiously the sports news on every Sunday night. We would have a sports report. I don't know if you had if you have that type of show, yeah. but you know, so in the late eighties, early nineties, we would get this sort of once a week TV uh, sports TV dedicated to sports, and then obviously Natasha Badman won it so many times that. It's quite repetitive that once a year would say, "Oh, someone you want Kona, you have a few images," and and that stayed in my mind uh, for a long, long time. And so when I started triathlon, it just I remember, I was like, "Yeah, that's that's where I want to go." You know, that's where that's one day. Why not? You know, that's that's the dream. So Kona for sure, I think, uh, is still the. Um, I think for I think as an age grouper is where I would want to go. I, but as a fan of the sport, I, I I didn't watch the coverage, so I can't I can't. You guys will will know much better. But as a fan of the sport, I'd like to see different winners, different events, different uh, qualities, different. So I think as as a as a as a fan, as a as a what someone who would watch the sport, I'd like to what see it at different locations, do really different things. Mm-hmm. But then as an age grouper, I think people would still want to go to Kona. So that's that's the um, that's at least my uh, my view. I've got a I'm going to have this as a question of the week and not this week maybe next week is would you go would you go and do Hawaii uh if it wasn't the world championships as if it was just a regular old ironman. I think you'd find you'd find people who would do it for sure. Yeah, you yeah. would sell out you would sell out. Now if you ask me I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I really good. don't know. It's a difficult question. Very good. Oh, well, thanks for your time, Terry. Always good to chat, and I'll uh, I'll be catching up with you in about a year's time when I fly into Geneva to go off to up to ears. So uh, good to have you on the show. Good to see you uh, enjoying the race, and all the best with your um, winter and then building into next summer. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you very much, guys. Jombo, your thoughts. Yeah, well, it was interesting to hear from both Seth and Terry about the, the female side of it in terms of uh, them both just saying it felt a bit weird. And I saw an interview with Jan Fredino the other day going, this just doesn't feel right, having a sausage fest, you know. We've really? always been a sport that has um, embraced equality, you know, in terms of, you know, um, prize money and so on, uh, and it just feels weird. And I reckon it would feel weird as well being at an event. You just there'd be more testosterone, and it wouldn't be balanced, be balanced off. So uh, I think that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. It's it's um, it's interesting. Like I've only heard Terry's. You know, I wasn't there for the other two interviews. Were the other two very happy with the experience? Yeah, yeah. And and, and there's definitely things that could have been done better. You know. Um, Gary sort of mentioned, you know, the post-race food and there was nothing there. I wonder in Hawaii if you'd finished, you know, towards the back of the field, uh, how much food there, there is there. And and he also mentioned, you know, the packing up of the of sort of the aid stations when you're out there. I, I suspect that might be a similar experience elsewhere. So definitely some things to work on. But I think they all said, you know, it was a it was a worthy world championship experience and a little bit different. And for me as an age grouper, um, I would want to go to different venues, you know. I would not want to go back to Kona year after year. And you see people doing like the 70.3 world champs and they're on that bandwagon now where they are traveling around the world to go to d- different venues, you know. Kona's, A, it's expensive, it's difficult, it's hard. Um, some people love it. 
I'm sort of not necessarily in that camp. Um, so I, I'd love to see the World Championships move around, but I totally understand that everyone wants to go and do Kona at some stage in their career um, because it's just uh, got that part of the history. The thing I'm fascinated about is what, what's this Kona going to be like this year? You know, Terry talking about how the Expo is a bit average. Um, and this this would be really interesting. Will the sponsors want to go to a females only event as much? You know, do we see do we see a lesser level of Kona this year? And and this is not being sexist, but will there be a, a lesser quality of experience in a pure female race versus a male race or the multi race where they've got both sexes together? Yeah, I am fascinated to hear what that's going to be like. Yeah. I just I think it's going to be as as weird as it is. We're just saying having a male only race totally the same having a female only race as well it will be a very different experience and yeah um that any males like like, like you know because I, I i don't know how females will find it but i wonder if females actually some aspects of the females might like just having an only female race mm. i wonder if some guys mm. enjoy just having a male only race as well like yeah. we've only really heard people said it's weird um mm. but, you know it's not something i'd really think about myself you know you notice it but when you're racing you're kind of i know you're in your own little world really aren't you? i don't know mm. Yeah, yeah, would be a bit okay. strange doing the old underpants run with just a whole bunch of guys doing this. <laughs> so this is a bit weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like, will that happen this year in Kona? Yeah, you have the females with underpants run. Yeah. So I think I don't know. My suspicion is it's Kona's going to be pretty small. Yeah, but on, what do you reckon the field's going to be? Small, and I reckon there'll be a small what twelve hundred. Yeah, and and I reckon there'll be a sm- really small expo. I just think it's going to be small. So, um, so it's a lesser experience, then, isn't it? Not, yeah. Uh, and the upside is, you know, hopefully have plenty of space out there on the course. Um, so, yeah, it's going to and be cheaper. Looking, because accommodation will be cheaper. No, it's not. Was <laughs> oh, it not? <laughs> no, it's, it's so expensive in Kona. I know, oh. but it is just so expensive over there now. Oh, really? Uh, so yeah. That's a bummer. Right, oh, wanger of the wanger week. Time. of the week. Okay, I'm going to go number two. And it's David Liversiege. Liversiege, I think it is. Liversiege, yep. Uh, look how many hours he swam. Bold, uh, we've got to do a bit of proofing here. He swam 33 hours and 51 minutes. I'm claiming that to be a, a watch error. Unless his buddy swam halfway around the world so or let's something have a look. Like that. So he swam three and a half yesterday. I've only got one. I've only got one activity. That's last. This that's this week. Uh, so, I think we're going to have to do that one again because you're not giving no him credit. Way. Well, I'll I'll be happily proved wrong. He swam three k's one day, two point eight the other day. Three hours. That's, that's a, uh, a, a a recording error where he must have. Uh, must have fresh quarters, something wrong. We can still do David Liversidge as uh, our wanger of the week, though, even though um, he may not have swum that many kilometres. So the biggest bike ride David's ever done has been 130.7 kilometres. So he must be either a short course athlete or a 70.3 athlete. And where did he do his 130-kilometre bike ride? He did it. He's a Kiwi. That looks uh, north of Auckland. Started in Auckland, did a big loop around uh, Dairy Flats, around Coatesville. Nice work. So, David Liffersich, you are our winger of the week. Winger of the week. And I've got to say, I think you're right, John. I've been trying to go through his stuff (laughs) while you're here. Uh, Even like longest swim, like I'm, I'm struggling to find 
struggling to find him swimming that much. If you're doing 30 hours of swimming in a week, that is a lot. But good, good, good on. Well, if he did it. (laughs) Okay, your quiz question. What's your quiz question? So how many races has Javier Gomez raced in the Iron Distance race? Now, we know he did Kona. Yeah. And did he do Kins? Yep. Yep, you're right there. And so maybe four. But I'm pretty three, sure four. he only did. I'm pretty sure he only did Kona once, though, didn't he? And he didn't have a great experience. And then he went back to short course, I think. Yeah. And then he tried to make the Olympics, and then he got a broken That's shoulder right. or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, you've said two that you know you can remember. I'm going to go four. What are you? Reckon? I was going to say four as well. Okay. okay. So where you go? All right. Have you, have you got so, your link? Got my link. Javier Gomez, arguably the greatest athlete not to win Kona. He did Malaysia in 2019. Sorry, the Olympics, I mean. Uh, Did Kona? Did Kona, that's two. Did Kens, that's three. We should have said three. three. I've done plenty of 70.3s, but I'm pretty sure that that is it. Okay, well, there you go. The answer is three. Javier Gomez, arguably the greatest not to win an Olympic gold medal, uh, is only not much of an Ironman. He did three. And did he have any good races in Ironman? We won Ironman Malaysia. Uh, and Which when he wouldn't, did. Didn't, didn't when, Braden win when he won Kent? When he did Kent? Yes, he did. Yeah. So when he raced Malaysia, he won by seven minutes in front of Philip Kutene. He was quite a good Swiss athlete. And I do remember when he did do Cairns, it's not like he raced like a chump. He did seven no. hours and 56. He ran a 241, um, but Braden Curry ran a 239. So, yeah, they basically more or less swam together. Looks like they more or less bite together. And then uh, Braden just put the hurt on him on the run. Beat some good athletes on that day, though. Beat Terenzo, beat uh, Tim O'Donnell, Denny Chevro, Kyle Buckingham. Pretty, pretty stacked field. So, uh, yeah, it's not like he was a chump at iron distance. When he did Hawaii, uh, he only finished in 11th place with a 2.59 run. And so, that was, yeah. the, that was, the, was that the year when they hit the 70.3 with Brownlee, him, and Fredino? Uh, that was 2018, and I think you're probably right. It was, was Fredino a... first, Brownlee second, Gomez third. That was a that great was. race. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the one in South Africa, I think, yeah, yeah. From, from memory. So since um, in the COVID period, Gomez has, uh, did a couple of races in 2020. Uh, 2021, he did a challenge race and then uh, the Olympics by the look of it. And then uh, 2022, he did the 70.3 push on and then he hasn't done anything since until this year. So been plagued with injuries. And uh, so fingers crossed he can uh, get back in the game, but at 40 years of age, don't know how amazingly competitive in terms of the wins he's going to be. Okay, John, let's quickly do your swim set because we've got seven minutes. So what's your swim okay, set? Okay, uh, this morning we did 400 warm-ups, 75 free, 25 back, then uh, 650s bands only. Then our main set was 200, 300, 400, 400, 300, 200. And we went steady, moderately hard, hard, steady, moderately hard, hard, two 100 IMs, and then 650s, 25 sprint, 25 easy, 200 warm down, 3.2 Ks. There we go. Uh, guys, if you want to become, oh, let's say thank you to our patrons. We've got uh, ATM, awesome triathlon mum, Michelle Curvin. 
George, Mr. Madman Gray. We've got Tony, don't be afraid of your dreams, West. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me, support the boys in what we do. Uh, also, if you want to get some coaching, coachjohnnewsome.com. Also, you can check out John's camps, epiccamp.com. For anything I do, bevanjamesos.com and age group of the week, call websites and other feedback, email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John Boy, what's your goss? Organised a duathlon at the weekend, Bevan, um, and it was on Sunday, and we've had these wild weather coming yeah, through New Zealand the, the last few days. And so I organised a du- duathlon, and the wind was intense, and I basically said to myself, going out there, no, there's no way we can have this. This is just insane. And I was sort of telling, I gave people plenty of warning. I said, I'll be a 5K and a 10K run option only if you want to do that. I said, it's looking pretty marginal. Got out there and it was terrible. And then I sort of just, maybe an hour before start, went and had a little bike round. I thought, oh, it's just dropping a bit. It is forecast to pick up a bit more. And I thought, bugger it, we're going for it. People are turning up and they seemed uh, okay to race. And then we put it on and nobody crashed. So I was stoked. Oh, even better. Um, <laughs> and, and people enjoyed the challenge of just, yeah, it was going to be a slow day. Your power files are going to be all over the over the place. Uh but it was just a cool experience. You know, these races are C races at best for most people. And we had a prize giving afterwards. And I just said, you know, whenever you go into another race now, you're going to have that experience where you go, it's not going to be as windy as what it was in Southbridge that time we did the duathlon. I survived that. I've got better skills for it. And I can take that experience. And I've been in a pressure situation, which I know I can handle. So if it's really windy at, say, a 70.3 or a half Ironman, Ironman, I know, you know, I've got got a few more sk- skills I can use. So I was, uh, I was proud of all the athletes that went out there and gave it a crack. Love your work. You never goss? Hmm. No, just a big sporting weekend. But Formula One action for us Kiwis. That was probably my sporting highlight. Did you watch it? Did you? Uh, yeah, we've got a bit of a Formula One family going on here. Oh, but have, have, our ki- have our Kiwi Liam Lawson knock Max Verstappen out of the final qualifying uh, round was uh, was pretty cool. This and young I did, boy. Watch the did watch the Warriors as well, and that was pretty cool, wasn't it? It was. But don't I you got a text from, I got a text from Murray Murray the Holy Hammer saying up yeah. the wars after the game. Yeah. And you almost want their season to finish now because they finished. They've had such a high there, yeah. and the chance of them winning is pretty much non-existent. Would you say? I wouldn't say non-existent, but I'd say but, you wouldn't put your money on it. No. The, the, no. The, 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 Penrith and Brisbane are a class above all the other teams in the comp. But it's not that the Warriors can't win. But you know, you're not. If you wake up Sunday morning and they've lost, you're not surprised. Um, mm. But we're a good team. We, we're not schmucks, you know. Like mm. um, it was pretty exciting stuff. When the crowd sang the, did you watch when the crowd sang the team song? Oh yeah, they were nuts. It was, was, it was the crowd best was... crowd experience you'd ever see in New Zealand ever. Because we we have really terrible crowds in New Zealand. Oh, I wish I wish we sang. You know, yeah. like I once went when I was in London last time, I got given a ticket to an FA Cup quarterfinal. Um, and it was like one of the, I, I think we were, I went um, Arsenal. So it was an Arsenal ground. And then it was one lesser team. Mate, I don't even like soccer, but the crowd was so entertaining. And everyone's into it and they're singing. And oh, I wish we were so boring in New Zealand when it comes to crowds. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so. Anything else happening in your world, Bevan? John, what's happening in my world? Um, no, I'm just all about the Warriors right now, being a loyal supporter. You know, it's good. Yeah, it's going to be a late night for you on Saturday then. I'll be going to say, I'm committed to league this year. I stay up late every Friday night watching the first game of the week. Yeah, so I'm, I'm used to it, John. I'm committed. It's only going to mid- be midnight. It ain't it late. Oh, God. You're a bloody eight o'clock, aren't you? Yeah, normally. Normally, but you're, sometimes, mate, you've got to live on the edge. 
you know? Yeah. So I'm going to live on the edge. So doing that. And then we're going to Hamlet in a few weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. Some time away, John. Oh, you know, we've been, we've been back from holiday after six weeks. You need another break. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.